Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to this week's Man in the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, I am Chris. Uh, with me this week, I've got Alex. Alex, how are you? Uh, I'm super fine, thank you. Good, all good in the West London hood? Uh, South West London, South yes. West, sorry, South West London. Yeah, yeah, pretty particular about that, to be honest. These things having, are important. Having been a North Londoner for the, what, six, six, seven years I'd previously lived in London and feeling that I would never venture south of the river even for a social call. I'm now firmly embedded in Richmond. You've done uh, the opposite of what Arsenal did. Uh, I have. Yes, I have, actually. And in fact, I used to live probably no more than about a mile and a half from the Emirates. Um, and I could I could see it from the top of Highgate Hill, which was like a 10-minute walk from my house. Um, but yes, I have done the opposite. and mm. And I've done the right thing. I don't know my Londons very well. Is is South or North Posher? I mean, they've all they've well, all they've both got enclaves of genuine poshness. I, Richmond's pretty posh, to be fair. I, I think we've got I think we've got twelve different libraries in the borough, and Richmond itself as a town or sort of centre. I mean, it's not really a town anymore, but. Um, it's so posh. It's got three separate libraries, including a research library. That's very good. I think I've been to Richmond. I went to Hampton Court. Uh, yeah, that's that's nearish to it. Yeah, um, and uh, it's it's lovely. It's there's lots of open space. There's the river. There's parks, and I live opposite London Welsh Rugby Club, so I can just pop across there and then go home at half time for a cup of coffee and walk back across. It's, it's all very civilized, actually. Oh, that's good. Slow pace of life, which, being a country boy, I like. So, yeah, jumped up country boy who never knew his place. That that is effectively me. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, we were talking about the Premier League this week. Um, there's uh, games last few days. I think there's game tonight, isn't there? Arsenal West Brom. Arsenal winning two 0 Correct. Uh, and there's games this weekend. We'll be talking about the Championship, some other leagues. Um, first of all, should we start with the Premier League team of the year? Mm. Have you seen this? I have. I have it in front of me as we speak. Okay, well, I'll read the names out. So we've got David De Gea in goal, and then in defence, you've got Hector Bellerin, Hector Bellerin, Wes Morgan, uh, Mr. Eidervald, because I don't know his first name. Toby. Toby. I thought Toby. I thought that sounds a bit too silly. Uh, Danny Rose, Dimitri Payet, um, Mr. Kante. What's his first name? Ngolo. Ngolo, there we go. Um, you wouldn't believe we were doing an award-winning podcast, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going and can say Deli Ali, Riyad Mahrez, Jamie Vardy, and Harry Kane. Well, that's a four-four-two. Um, anybody in there you think you, that shouldn't be, and vice versa, anyone not in there you think should be? Um, the first thing to say is that it's extraordinarily difficult to pick eleven players, particularly eleven players in a formation. Yes. To, to choose the best performing 
individual in each position is really tough. Um, I don't have any problems with this team. Frank, no Fraser Forster? Well, um, I, I think in fairness to Forster, although he has been outstanding, he just hasn't played enough games this season um, because he was injured for, what, pretty much the first half of it. Um, and, and De Gea is a phenomenal goalkeeper. Um, I don't think anyone could argue with that. Again, I would say if Hugo Lloris was in it, I would have no issue with that either. Um, Kashmish Baikal uh, as well. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? I mean, these these things, I feel, are, are almost done in order to provide talking points and, and to draw attention to Barclays and the Premier League as an entity and so that everyone can sit around and discuss, well, you know, would you have Virgil van Dijk instead of Wes Morgan? Yes, I probably would, <laughs> but but then I'm a Southampton fan. Um, Meza Ozil is, is an omission that I think has raised... Uh, reasonable hackles. Only with... three assists this season. Uh, no, only three assists this calendar year. Oh, this calendar year. Sorry, eighteen in the season, but fifteen of them were were before the um, the new year. But then I think Dimitri Payet is. I think he's a more interesting story. He's playing with um, teammates of a of a. I think it's fair to say a lesser caliber than than Ozil is. Um, his free kicks are sumptuous. And also for him personally, he's forced his way into the France team um, at what a reasonably advanced age. I think he's 27, 28, something like that. So, I think he's older than that. I think about 29, isn't he? 30. Possibly. I, I, I don't know, but I know he's in his late 20s. And, and so for him to have achieved all of that, playing for a side who, while they are good, and they have been good this season, they're not of the level of, of an Arsenal or a... Uh, another of those really kind of overtly big sides. I think he probably deserves the nod for that. Um, I think for me, there are there are probably, I would say, six players in there that you genuinely can't argue with, which would be Vardy, Kane, Mares, Ali, Kante and Alderweireld. Um, I think they have been the outstanding performers in their positions this season. Um, so... I, yeah, I, I, I don't have any quabbles. Quabbles? That's quabbles, that's a lovely word. Quibbles. I don't know, maybe Bellerin at right back. Mm, but then who would you put instead? Maybe uh, Carl Walker? Oh, no. No, don't say Carl Walker. Um, I, I mean, there, there haven't really been any other right backs that have massively caught the eye, I'd say. It's not a very sexy position, is it, fullback? No, it's not. Although Danny Rose has has been really I'm not going to say sexy um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think Danny Rose is, is is unfortunate in the sense that he I don't know he's like he's like pulling a really really attractive woman in a nightclub going back and having the best sex of your life with her and then entering a relationship that's just very tedious after that because his first goal that that volley against Arsenal uh, was the best thing he'll ever do and however good he is after that point, he's just not going to be that good again. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was just trying to imagine myself pulling a very attractive woman around. <laughs> I can't profess to ever have done something like that. <laughs> Maybe quite a few down the other end of the scale. Well, as Bill Hicks said, you either need one very special lady or lots of average ones. <laughs> 
either was good enough for him. Uh, that's fair, yeah. And we've fallen into Barclay's trap, haven't we? Um, we've just spent five minutes talking about this. We have. Yeah. I mean, Wes Morgan, you know, he's captain of a side that's doing phenomenally well. And I, I think, yeah, don't get me wrong. I think it's nice to have have these things, have these discussions. Um, I think it's curious when there are players like Ozil that are in the PFA Player of the Year uh, nominations but are not in the Team of the Year Um when you've got it in this sort of formation as well, obviously it's kind of going to to limit certain positions. And and there's always, I think, an argument to be had with these sorts of things about, um, you know, do certain positions attract uh, more attention? Is is there more? You know, everybody loves goal scorers, right? Or mm. people that that get assists. But then actually, in terms of winning a championship, is it more important to have an incredibly resolute defence? Do defenders get um, enough recognition? I, I remember doing the, a couple of pieces for the set pieces here, Macintosh's website, where we were doing um, a really detailed season-by-season season roundups. And it's amazing during the 70s how often um, goalkeepers win the PFA Player of the Year. Uh, Pat Jennings won it, I think, two years in a row. Um, and a, a couple of other times, goalkeepers were winning it. And you, I don't think that's happened for a, for quite some time um, now, because I think the, the the interest and the attraction is much more about people at the other end of the pitch. So, you know, team of the year does at least afford the opportunity for those less recognised players um, in the back four to get uh, some acclaim. Mm. Okay. Um. Well, should we run some the Premier League action this week? I, I'm afraid I'm going to have to be a bit self-indulgent and start in uh, Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool 4, Everton 0. Uh, Divock Origi, he's my baby. Uh, Mamadou Sacco. Danny Sturridge with his 50th goal for Liverpool in just 8-7 appearances. And Felipe Cucina with a rather sumptuous curling finish at the end. Did you see that? Um, I didn't actually see this game. I kept abreast of it watching the meltdown of various Evertonians, um, <laughs> including uh, Mark of this parish, who at one point was tending towards horse tranquilizers and then settled on a bottle of Talisker. I think he's um, been heading that way quite some time, hasn't he, Mark? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I mean, a couple of people... Um, John Bruin, the ESPN guy, was was saying, has a has a manager ever been sacked on the eve of an FA Cup final? Um, and if not, will Martinez be the first? Um, you know, his position. I, I know you're going to want to talk about how good Liverpool were, but no, I'm quite happy to talk about how bad Everton are. Well, I, you know, I think I think the story of Everton again is it's not even stasis, really, is it? It's going backwards. Um, and and there's the foundation there of a good team with certainly a few young English players. I mean, obviously, John Stones, Ross Barkley, Lukaku, who's clearly Belgian rather than English, but is is still young. And then you've got people like Brendan Galloway, um, Mason Holgate. You know, these th- there's there's the seeds there of a really good, vibrant young team, but but somehow. Uh, Martinez just isn't getting stuff from them. Um, 
and whether he's lost the players altogether, whether they can't affect what he wants to do, whether he doesn't put enough effort into the um, stuff on the training ground. Like I think that I saw something recently about the the disparity between how much Moyes used to train them on set pieces, both defending and um, attacking set pieces, and how much Martinez does it much, mm. much less. Um, you know, is that kind of laissez-faire attitude that's supposed to encourage, uh, you know, a, a sense of, of good feeling and expression of creativity and so on in, in the Premier League? Does that actually work? Do you need to be quite precise and need to be quite workmanlike about these things if you're going to succeed? Um, I mean, Martinez surely is is on borrowed time at this point. He seemed it last night in his post-match interview, didn't he? Um, he said it wasn't good enough and he was embarrassing and all that sort of thing. He looked, he had the look of a uh, of a man walking the plank, didn't he? Yeah, I suppose it, there's an interesting point to be asked as well, though, about... I mean, obviously, fans care passionately about derbies um, and, and a result against your, your better rivals can certainly tip the fans against you a great deal. But in terms of the way that uh, the board thinks about these things and the way that the players think about these things, I, I don't know if, you know, given how much players move around, given how much the ownership of clubs changes hands. And I know Everton is actually something of an exception in that respect, although obviously they have had this recent flood of investment. But, um, you know, do, are the boards going to look at a, a 4 0 loss to Liverpool as being more important than a 4 0 loss to anybody else? Mm. Or is it the straw that broke the camel's back because of the, the, the opposition and the, the nature of the capitulation? You know, I, I think it's interesting that fans can get incredibly caught up in these things because derbies are hugely important. But, but whether, whether the board, and the club themselves think about it in the same way. I, I, I genuinely don't know. No, I mean, it's it's an interesting point, but just to compound how bad this is, Liverpool had 67% possession, 37 shots and 13 on target. Um, Everton were 3-0 and zero for that. Uh, Liverpool had 64 touches in the Everton box, vice versa. Everton had three in Liverpool's, um, and they're unbeaten. <laughs> Fucking hell, <man. laughs> I didn't realise... It was that bad. It was very bad, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Liverpool are unbeaten in 17 years at Anfield in um, Merseyside derbies in the Premier League. I mean, it's, I'm quite happy a... to repeat all those again. I bet you are. Um, <laughs> is, is that a reflection of of how bad Everton were or how good Liverpool were? There's been some pretty awful... I mean, you know, there's been times when you've had a midfield of um, Zabi Alonso and Javi Mascarano there, but there's also been times when you've had you know, Milan Djukanovic in there as well. So, Oh, no, sorry. I mean, in terms of this most recent result. Oh, right, this one. Um, how little Everton managed to create, clearly. Liverpool are very much in a purple patch at the minute. They've won their last three in the Premier League and they had that Dortmund game last week. Mm. Um, Which I missed. I was doing this. Can you... F- oh, honest, I was dog-sitting. Dog, who dog-sits? Uh, so <clears throat> it was for a friend of mine who um, was down in London for business meetings and has a pair of utterly adorable Manchester Terriers. So where were you? Um, I was uh, in her hotel room because she found a hotel in Richmond that allows dogs. I say a hotel, it's kind of a pub, actually. She, so uh, she lives in London and she stayed in the hotel no, in London? she lives in Lytham. West, oh, that's uh, Lancashire, uh, isn't it? 
Exactly, yeah. So oh. she travelled down, um, but brought the dogs with her, and and I looked after them uh, Thursday evening, and then for for quite a bit of Friday. Did they? And want, I, did they want to watch something else? Did they? <laughs> no, because I I was in a hotel room that I couldn't get functioning Wi-Fi and didn't have access to to TV that was screening it. Just devastated. So I was keeping up with it on Twitter and watching it, and as best you can. And I was like, "Fuck's sake, <laughs> the games to miss." <laughs> well, never mind. There's always the semi-final. Um, well, next up for Everton is the semi-final against Manchester United. Um, Palace. Well, Manchester United beat Crystal Palace two 0 Damien Delaney goal and uh, Damien. Did you see his shot? It had a rather satisfactory crack off the post, didn't it? As it went on its way in. Yeah, and that, that was his first goal, I think. Yeah, um, I do like a nice thwack as the ball gets sort of hit into the, the woodwork. Yeah, yeah, it is good, yeah. Um, lots of empty seats at Old Trafford. Louis van Gaal said to a journalist, though, you've seen empty seats because you want to see them. Uh, these aren't the draws you were looking for, he then said. <laughs> was he sort of waving his hand mystically? <laughs> <laughs> there are no empty seats. <laughs> um, Manchester are currently one point behind Arsenal, though after tonight it will probably be four points. Um, are they out of the Champions League race? Can you, you can imagine Manchester United getting top four, winning the FA Cup, and then having to hang on to Van Gaal for another year? Well, particularly if these um, Mourinho to PSG rumours have got foundation to them yes indeed i mean you, you do sort of wonder whether that's i mean actually Mourinho to psg is a very very logical move and, and in some ways a better fit um for all parties concerned than Mourinho to manchester united but do you, do you think they're doing that to keep ibra um that's certainly possible um i also wonder whether it was Mourinho sort of stirring the pot himself a little bit to to chivy Manchester United along. Yes, I thought that. Um I mean I think the thing with Mourinho is that he he probably would see Ligue 1 as a step down. I mean it is a step down. Um you know his obviously his first job was in in Portugal but then otherwise he's been in England or Spain and along with the Bundesliga they are the top 3 European leagues. And Italy. Um, uh, what you you would say in terms of prestige? Well, no, he was at Inter Milan, wasn't he? Oh, of course, yeah, when he won the treble, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So he's so he's done, you know, he's done the big ones, and yes, there might be a lure in terms of of moving to a club with as much money as of PSG have, and some decent young players coming through as well. Because um, he's famous for that, isn't he? Well. I think if they're sort of first team established already um, or, or on the periphery of it, Marquinhos and Rabiot um, are, are very much kind of there. And, and I think there is a different ethos maybe in, in Italy. A lot of the promising young players get loaned out to other weaker Serie A sides or Serie B sides even until they're in their sort of mid-20s. Um, whereas France, I think, puts more of a premium on, on youth development. Um so he might kind of have his hand forced there a little bit. I but, think, and, and also, there's there's a huge challenge for PSG. You know, they they stated when when all of that money came in, you know, very much their ambition was to yeah to wipe the floor in Ligue 1, but also to compete properly in in the European Cup. 
Um, and while Lyon had a decent run in the European Cup, um, sort of what, five, six, seven years ago, um, there hasn't really been a, a French side that's had a massive impact on it since the great Saint Etienne teams. Marseille um, won it. And then they, and then they didn't win it. <laughs> I think we can, I think we can erase 1993 from the record. Um, but, you know, so, so maybe for him, and, and obviously, you know, he's, there's a monstrous ego there. You know, the, the challenge of taking that on and, and seeing the aim as being, you know, if you're winning Liga with nine games to go, then the European Cup is the challenge, isn't it? And yeah. you might, might be attracted by that. I was going to say, this appeals to, to Mourinho's ego, doesn't it? And it, he is nothing else if about ego. I mean, he's just, that's all, that's what he's driven by, isn't it? Entirely. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, yeah, in a way, I don't have a problem with that because if you're, you know, if, if you're a top level sportsman or a top level manager, you you have to have a lot of ego. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to to do what you do properly. And I think there are different ways of expressing that ego, whether it's a kind of quiet confidence and self belief, or whether it comes across like him, or maybe like Van Hal as this sort of slight megalomania crossed with paranoia. Um, but but yeah, he's he's going to want a challenge. But then in those terms, there probably isn't a bigger challenge. Um, available to him or potentially available to him than Man United. It's commutable from London as well, isn't it? Uh, what, Manchester? Paris. Uh, well, they're probably equi- well, not equidistant, but equitemporal, uh, if yeah. that's an expression. <laughs> You're making words up. Well, I suppose all words are made up to some extent. This is true, yeah. You don't <laughs> want to get into that. I studied it for a couple of years. <laughs> I'll get very boring very quickly. <laughs> um. Well, Crystal Palace's semi-final opponents, Watford, lost 3-1 to West Ham. Two Mark Noble penalties and an Andy Carroll volley. I was watching Andy Carroll. I've noticed this the last few weeks. Is he the coolest looking player in the Premier League? He reminds me of Daniel Day-Lewis quite a lot. I think he's possibly the coolest player in the Premier League. He's got very high cheekbones, very tall, very stocky, and um, long hair with ponytail and stuff. He does look quite cool. Yeah. Um, And there's something kind of pleasingly reductive about his style of football um which i like he obviously enjoys a night out or several yeah um and you know he's been at a couple of quite playboy clubs beforehand um so no i I think he's i think he's pretty cool yeah i think so do do we put him on the plane no no, okay. because I no, I I think not because I think his style of play is not suited to European defenders and European football. Um, it, it, he would it's, be a walking yellow card for. Imagine him against like Ramos or Marcello or someone like that. Uh, to be honest, I would love to see Andy Carroll fill Ramos in. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing what? would give me more pleasure. But he, I mean, he Carroll. The, the argument for Carroll is that he is the classic option B, isn't he? But you know, if it's if it's not, not working playing svelte attacking football, then you know he is the big guy to which one lumps it up. But you can imagine him slightly leaning on some poncy European defender with their you know poncy southern sunny ways, and then falling over and the referee giving a free kick every time. Uh, yeah, you could. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a logic there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'll happen anyway. I think it's a moot point. Yeah. But um, I, I think he, there is, there is a definitely an extent to which he brings 
an element that the other English forwards don't have so much. I mean, Kane is, Kane's not a small guy, but he does most of his best work, um, with the ball at his feet. Yes. And, and, you know, Tottenham are obviously geared to play to that. Vardy very much again is somebody who runs onto it. Um, and, you know, there's Carol can hold the ball up. He would be an absolute terror from set pieces. Um, there, there's an argument to be made for taking a chance in that respect, I guess. Then, I don't think yeah. it's an argument Roy will listen to, but, you know, no. it's always worth making the argument, isn't it? Otherwise, why are we, why are we here? <laughs> we could be in bed. Why right, not? We could, not together. Well, not, but... <laughs> no, no. I, I would probably choose someone else, Chris. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Sorry. Andy Carroll, maybe. Uh, You know. No. (laughs) He does have long hair, doesn't he? He does. He does have very long hair. Those cheekbones as well. I mean, they are quite chiseled. He is, isn't he? Yeah. He's no Graziano Pella, though, is he? I know. That's what um, Mrs. Alex said, wasn't it? Uh, no, no, Mrs. Alex. Said oh no, she didn't like him, did she? Color was too good looking, too perfect. That's it. Yeah, which which was I don't know in some ways something of a relief. Yes. Um, well, no, it doesn't say an awful lot about you though. I suppose that's, that's a true. very backhanded compliment towards you. Yeah, yeah. She, she she's got an interesting taste in men, which is similarly a backhanded compliment to me. So. <laughs> I think the less we delve into that particular Pandora's box, the better. Oh, yeah. I mean, my wife is just as equally subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mine says it's all about locating the attraction, and it's something that she appears to find quite easy. So, <laughs> Yeah, mine's a little bit mine's a little bit along the lines of she says that I would never be the kind of person she would normally go for, which kind of made me think. Oh, that's... Yeah, okay. What? <laughs> I really don't know what to say to that. <laughs> exactly. She said it to me. This is just after we first met. And she said it to me in a supermarket car park after I jumped. I was putting the trolley back after we'd finished unloading the car. And I ran along with the trolley and, cl- and jumped on the back of it in a sort of wee kind of way. And I could tell it didn't really impress her. Ah, uh, yes. So why wouldn't you? I, I, things like that mischievously tempting, aren't they? As Billy Connolly once said, never trust a man who went alone in a room with a tea cozy doesn't try it on. That's brilliant observational humour, isn't it? Yeah, it's also very true. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tuesday saw Newcastle won, Manchester City won, Vernita for Newcastle after a rather offside goal from Sergio Aguero. Did you see that? I did, yes. He was very offside, wasn't he? He was just a smidgen. John Moss's yeah. little brother as a linesman. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, are we buying into this John Moss is the worst thing since, I don't know, plague or or whatever else yeah do you know what the only thing i think he got wrong was um the penalty he didn't give for robert hooth i thought the wes morgan one was a penalty did you watch the game uh yeah i did yeah because about um, just before the corner was taken he pulled uh robert hooth and winston reed to one side and said stop pushing i mean he couldn't be any more clear than that and you knew he's going to give either a free kick or a penalty uh, one or the other. I thought Jamie Vardy was a second yellow, maybe not a first yellow. I don't know. Uh, and I thought the Andy Carroll one was a penalty. And I think I think there's two things to say about it. And I, and I actually I agree with with your summary of that. The first is is that we always look at these things 
with the benefit of hindsight. Um, and about 15 and, replays as well. And about 50 replays, some of which are slowed down, and that can change your perception of things as well. Sometimes things look innocuous in real time and horrific in slow time and, and vice versa. Um, yeah. Like the Fuentes Mori tackle, actually. Yes. Um, so they don't have that benefit. And, and I think it's incredibly difficult for anybody who's not a referee to empathize with just how tough that must be. And yes, they are professionals. Yes, they are supposed to be the top of their game. But it's still fucking hard. I think the other thing is that on the issue of penalties in the box for that sort of thing, referees have made a rod for their own backs in respect of how uh, irregularly that law is enforced. And you often hear commentators saying, oh, well, if that had been outside of the box, it would have been a free kick. And I think because a penalty is effectively handing a goal to the other team, referees are more churlish about awarding penalties for a foul that would just be a free kick outside of the box. And and grappling is obviously the most clear example of that. Mm. And it does happen all the time. You know, there isn't a set piece in the Premier League where there isn't a player climbing all over another player. Um, And in that respect, I think John Moss kind of just applied the rules, particularly, as you say, he'd had warned the players involved beforehand. But then at the same time, it's not a rule that's consistently enforced across all referees, across all games. So when it is particularly in a game as high-profile and important as that, everyone goes, ooh, look at that, you know, the referee's trying to step into the limelight and blah, 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 blah. And you think, well, actually, he's just made a call that that really they should all make all of the time. Mm. I'd quite like to see Alan Shearer referee a football match. <clears throat> there are lots of things I'd like to see Alan Shearer do, and that's not one of them. <laughs> no, he's kind of a putting his money where his mouth is kind of thing. Yeah, the the Gary Neville argument. That's, yes, that's why that worked out well, <laughs> didn't it? Though, and and haven't haven't Valencia been fucking great since he left? Yeah. Did you did you watch the game against Barcelona? Uh, no, they beat them, didn't they? They did. They beat them two one. I watched it after I won a pub quiz in West Hampstead. Did you? Um, did you cheat? <clears throat> no. Fuck no. <clears throat> no. Never cheat on pub quizzes, mate. No. Do you remember the Super Fairy Animals song? Text messaging has destroyed the pub quiz. I don't. I can't see. But it. I, I mean, they, they are a great band. Yes. Laura, actually, of, of this pod, loves the Super Fair Animals as well. She loves all sorts of 90s indie stuff. Yeah, that's I another reason her being a, she's a great person. Yeah, I can imagine her being a 90s student having a bedroom covered with Shed 7 and Marion posters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, um, they showed that. So after we um, did the pub quiz, they showed that game. Um, at the railway in West Hampstead and uh, and yeah uh, Valencia were really good mm. particularly as Barca then went and won their next game what was it like 7-0 8-0 something like that 8-0 Luis Suarez um, yeah four goals and an assist yeah mental it's amazing everybody loves him now he doesn't play in England oh I don't love him no no I'll never love him oh well no I yeah I do I mean if you can sweep the racism under the carpet I quite like him mm. 
Hey, that's the problem with racism, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you can't quite I mean, do that. <laughs> it's not. It's not the problem with racism. Obviously, <laughs> the problem with racism is racism. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think racism, racism, and what if you did it on the street would be a GBH. Uh, is uh, yeah, it's quite bad, really. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Never mind. I didn't have a problem with the biting. You didn't have a problem with the biting. No, that was all harmless pantomime fun wasn't it um i'd rather be bitten than someone tackle me like uh funas mori did did kokarigi the other day oh god i wouldn't what you wouldn't you'd rather be tackled like that and be bit yeah really absolutely yeah Mm-hmm. definitely why that's well two reasons and that this is this is like a more a general point than than suarez or whatever but um Biting can give you diseases that having your ankle broken can't. Um, and and there's something also incredibly kind of personal and almost intimate about being bitten. It's like being spat on. It's really. I, I think no. it's a th- no. I, th- I think it's a throwback to when I was a copper. That was that was the one thing that I was always worried about happening was was someone biting me. Oh, right. Yeah, because people would try and do it all the time. Um. And it's yeah, there's something really. I I just yeah, I I can't. I don't have any time or any justification for people that bite. I just think it's really really unpleasant. Okay. Um, just talk about Harry Kane instead. A much nicer subject. <laughs> yes. Well, Monday night. If we can, Monday night seems a whole long time ago. Uh, Stoke nil Spurs four. Harry Kane two goals. Deli Ali two goals. Harry Kane's twenty third and twenty fourth Premier League goals. Um, yep. He did have a very poor start to this season, didn't he? He scored 45 goals since the start of last season. I'm sure, was it this season? I'm sure I remember he started quite slowly, didn't he? Um, he started slowly by comparison to how he started last season, hmm. where where he he kind of set off at a canter and then slowed to a trot. Yes. Um, whereas this time he's he's done it the other way around. Um I, I just think he's a wonderfully exciting footballer. I, I just love watching him. Um, and the way Pochettino's got that side playing, everybody doing what they're supposed to be. There was a great, um, trying to remember whether it was, might have been Ben McAleer, the Who Scored guy um, on Twitter, was saying that although Spurs have committed something like, and I'm going from memory here, so I might not be exact, but uh, 411 fouls this season only 24 of those fouls have been by their centre-backs because their midfield basically do it. They they scythe the opposition down in their half mm. and, and stop attacks and stop momentum before it gets anywhere near their centre-backs. And Elder Villar recently passed, I think, 600 minutes without giving away uh, a foul or something. You know, they, they are just... He he just has an absolutely superb plan for how Spurs need to play, and they they enact it brilliantly. And then you add in the creativity of Ericsson, um, the 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 dynamism of Deli Ali, and Kane's ability to score from almost anywhere, and and it's just a scintillating team to watch. Have you seen the Harry Kane waving? Not Harry Kane, the Deli Ali waving vine. Uh, I don't think I have. Oh, I'll put it into Twitter. It's very sweet. And have a little look. Okay. Do you want me to do that right now? Well, if you want. Well, you can do. You can do it later on if you want to. Whenever you, uh, whenever you feel happiest. Um, 
Deli Deli Alley waving. Oh no, I've mistyped it. You see, I put Del waving. <laughs> what does that mean? Deli Alley. Oh Jesus, wept. Look at me blaspheming. Right. I don't think we've got many religious people listening. Why are there so many videos of Delhi Alley waving? <laughs> Says Brett Garris. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I genuinely don't know. Oh, there he is. Yes. How sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice, isn't it? You could just tack that onto anything, really, couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Yeah, he's a good, nice lad. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Harry Kane seems quite a nice guy. Um, Deli Ali seems very nice as well. Pochettino seems quite nice. I mean, I'm very glad this is Spurs chasing Leicester and not Arsenal or Manchester City or United because um, I, I quite like Leicester to win being from there. Um, Spurs, I quite like to win as well because they all seem very, very nice. Mm. Um, I I think if push came to shove, I'd probably I'd probably pick Spurs over Leicester. Mm. Um. Because um, Vardy, Hooth being a misogynist. Hooth? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Well, he, he played... Um, do you, have you ever seen Cock or No Cock? I haven't. No, he got banned for playing that. Someone basically prints a picture, puts a picture on, um, uh, on Twitter of a naked person with their bits down there. Uh, sort of blurred out and you have to guess whether they got something extra down there or not oh right that sounds sensitive yeah well he played it and got banned for two games oh dear yeah um yeah so i don't know well the other thing spurs spurs are managed by an ex-southampton manager as well so that's true got some loyalty there well the other thing to remember is that uh every time leicester win if you put um, Leicester and doping into Twitter, you get all sorts of bitter Arsenal fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I have, I, yeah, I think, I think there probably is doping in football. Um, I'm, and... sure, I'm sure there is, but when Arsenal fans do it, it just comes. When Arsenal fans talk right. about it, it comes across as incredibly bitter. Well, yeah, particularly as Arsenal were were one of the first teams to actually be linked with it. Uh, yes. Um, and I, and I think the the claims of that doctor in, in the Sunday Times article were were confused and and it was a possibly quite a spurious story at best. Um, I mean, I think you you know he he comes across as as a boastful quack rather than somebody who is at the centre of a of a massive doping scandal. No. So you know, and and trying to add credibility by going. You know, well, yes, it's because you know I've been, I've been wiring up the current Premier League leaders. I think really, have you though, um, <laughs> or are you just a bit odd, or are you just a bit of a rampant self-publicist? Yeah. Well, having said that, I think the statute of limitations runs out on Doctor Fuentes and Operation Puerto very soon. That'll be yes, that will be interesting yes. um, because I think there's a, a lot more fire with all of that smoke than yes. than what the Sunday Times published. Um, and that could have very serious ramifications uh, in terms of of Real Barca and, and the Spanish national side, and tennis and cycling as well. Yeah, except to say that tennis and cycling, well, certainly cycling. You know, it's all been not out in the open, but people have been aware that there was a, a culture of doping and cycling 
I mean, ever since Tommy Simpson died of amphetamines and even before that, that was what, 67, I think. Yeah. Um, tennis, it's, it sort of started to come out alongside the, the match fixing scandals. I think with, with football, um, there's always, well, there's, there's been the sort of shadow of it on occasions and, you know, a couple of Italian teams spring to mind as well. There's never really been the hard evidence that other sports have produced. Um, so I think it would be more of a shock in that respect. Yeah. Or the person, the, the, the lady I follow on Twitter who tweeted about Fuentes and the statute of limitations, she did about three or four tweets about this and she then retweeted something from Lance Armstrong. He replied to her saying, what's the statute of limitations? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lance. <laughs> I, I've read um, David Walsh's book, The Program, um, which basically is is David Walsh saying, I think with total justification, uh, I always thought that um, Lance Armstrong was a massive fucking cheat, and I set out to prove so. And it, it is staggering the not not the, the the scale of the doping or the the collusion of teammates or even the collusion of the cycling authorities, but just the sheer brass on that man to stand in front of press conferences year after year after year and not only deny doping but to really savagely attack anyone who accused him of it oh, you know perfect. you're you're questioning the miracle and it's like well mate you had cancer like a year ago and now you're competing and winning uh the toughest physical race that exists in human athletics pretty much mm. I Why would we ask a question? No, well, no. I just, listen, I've got lots of opinions on this. I think we, mm. we could talk about this afterwards if you want, because this is a football podcast. That's true. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Because otherwise, there'd be a massive, great big tangent we'd go on, and then Laura would start telling me off because we have we fall out quite a lot about this. Uh, too many tangents. Yeah, lots and lots of tangents. Uh, well, Chad Evans has had his rape conviction quashed and faces a retrial. Um, there's been some. Uh, Serie A action this week uh, Juventus beat Lazio 3-0 uh, Napoli beat Bologna 6-0 Genoa beat Inter 1-0 so that's Inter's Champions League hopes done a, a, quite a thumping uh, Roma beat Torino 3-2 did you see this? I didn't, no um, Francesco Totti uh, Roma were losing 2-1 Francesco Totti comes off with 5 minutes left comes off the bench um, having been pretty much snubbed by Spalletti for both the Rome derby and also last weekend as well when they fell out in the dressing room afterwards uh, comes on five minutes left they're losing 2-1 he scores twice and they win 3-2 I mean it's it's fairy tale stuff isn't it Very, yeah speaking of uh, athletes who spit in each other's faces Francesco Totti mm. um so Juventus are top on 82 points. They've got Napoli on 73 a second. And then Roma on 68 and Inter in fourth on 61. So, of course, you've only got three going to the Champions League there. Um, in Spain, Deportivo lost 8-0 to Barcelona, as we said. And Neymar has said he's going to go to the Olympics, but not to the Copa America. Um, Real Madrid beat Villarreal 3-0. And Bilbao lost 1-0 to Atletico. So you've got Barca and Atletico on 79, Real on 78 points. Um, a couple of other bits. You've got the Copa Libertadores this week. Um, Corinthians beat uh, Cobre South 6-0 and Bili- uh, Boca Juniors beat Cali 6-2. So they're, they're both tops of their group. Uh, there was a, a... I don't know if you've come across um, a thing that's been launched uh, via Twitter and crowdfunding called Unusual Efforts, um, which is a, a football um, site 
to showcase uh, women football writers. Oh no! Um, put together by a few um, sort of the more well-known ones, uh, and there's some really, really good stuff on it. And there was an article about why the Copa Libertadores is so much fun, and and why we should all be watching it. And I have to say, I was quite taken with that, and thought actually, I might see if I can try and watch some of this if it's not on at stupid times of the night. Well, I've started listening to a podcast called The World Football Index, um, and they talk about it quite a lot. And there's uh, there's a guy I follow on Twitter called At Kinesia Scores, and <clears> there's him and about three or four other lads that talk that talk about it. One of them is a Mexican, um, and when you hear a Mexican pronouncing Spanish names, of course, it uh, sounds that's so much more poetic. Mm, yeah, well, there's also Sam Kelly, um, who used to do that Hand of God, um, or maybe still does podcast on Argentine football. Mm. Um, is very very good, um, and uh, and so I, I follow him and, and kind of pick up stuff about that. Um, but I I'm sort of rather ignorant about the rest of what goes on in South America, and, and the Copa Libertadores could be quite a good way of of rectifying that and watching some exciting football at the same time. Yeah, I had a look. I can't see anybody over here that um, there's a BT Sport or Sky that show it, but I'm sure there must be on YouTube or something like that. I'm definitely going to give it a go. I mean, I've heard there are these themes called called illegal internet streams. Obviously, I've never encountered no, them. No, no, no. And I have no idea about sites like VIPLeague.is. Um, Let me so, write it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I certainly wouldn't advise anybody to follow Stream Planet on Twitter either. <clears throat> no, that would be a terrible, absolutely terrible thing to do. Yeah. Um, in the Championship, we had a few games this week. Uh, Burnley and Borough Drew. Did you see that? No, I didn't. No, the my only the only thing I ever know about Championship football is I go and watch Brentford occasionally because they're like twenty minutes walk from my house. Mm. Um, but beyond that, I don't really follow it. It's a wilderness. Um, well, yeah. Borough top on eight six points. Burnley a second eight four. Burnley were uh, sorry. Borough were winning. Middlesbrough winning till it was a ninety second minute when Michael Keane equalised. And you've never seen so many happy people all in one place. Was it, who, who was at home? Uh, Burnley were at home. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so they all did that thing where they run to the corner flag and they all basically piled on top of each other. Right. It's very nice to watch. I, I, I saw Burnley playing Brentford, um, and and they were they were kind of good in a rather solid slightly boring way yeah um but i like them as a club even though joey barton's there um uh, yeah yeah uh, i like sean dyche i heard somebody on 606 who's an arsenal fan said he wanted him at arsenal next season really yeah he said uh, he gave a big long list of people who wanted to replace wenger and the only two names i can remember are carlo ancelotti who of course is the Bayern <laughs> unit manager next year and um he said sean dyche right i thought he was taking the mickey but he was very I mean, did, had he just like basically written down every manager he could think of off the top of his head put them all in a hat and pulled them out yeah neil warnock was third on his list no 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 i'm joking no <laughs> I'm joking. thank god well i mean people say stupid things on the radio don't they so oh yes they certainly do people from bogner don't like them very good. Well remembered. <laughs> um, you saw AC Milan do the hacker earlier on, didn't you? <laughs> yes. On a scale of one to ten, how cringeworthy was that? 
Um, with 10 being so extraordinarily cringeworthy, I kind of almost wanted to disappear inside myself. It yes. was probably a 10. <laughs> yeah. um, this was against Carpy, wasn't it? I think from what I could read online, this was um, something to do with Nivea for men, which I hope means hope Liverpool won't be doing it. Now that would be... I'd love to see Joe Allen doing the hacker. Which... <laughs> Mamadou Saka would be very good at the hacker. Uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, I think Emery Chan probably would be as well. Yeah, and, and Mignolet would just get his hands all twisted up in the wrong <laughs> in the wrong area. He'd trip over his hands. Get confused, yeah. Sturridge would, would probably, like, I don't know, He'd do his pull little... a tendon or something. He'd be on the end doing his little scoring dance. Actually, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to encourage that sort of shameless <laughs> promotional stuff but if if Sturridge were kind of in the middle just doing that because you know when they do the hacker there's always one that's sort of wandering around leading them in it Sturridge just kind of going backwards and forwards doing his dance that would work my favorite hacker was when the Welsh just stood there and watched and they wouldn't turn around afterwards there's also there was a great one and and I know they're not called hackers because the the Tonga and and Fiji do versions of of a confrontational dance themselves and it was a rugby league game where they were playing each other and, and they got kind of closer and closer and closer to each other and then they just started punching each other. <laughs> Have you ever seen the one where the, the guy does it on his own? No. Um, I think, oh, I don't know where it was, but it was somewhere um, and uh, you had the whole of one team doing the hacker. Um, and this guy, I think he must be the only Kiwi or South Pacific Islander on his team. I think it was in like Ireland or France or somewhere. So you've got 15 rugby players doing it on one side, and there's one guy on the other side facing them doing one on his own. Oh, brilliant. It was fantastic. Almost as good as the gingerbread man hacker you can find on YouTube. Okay. Which is worth looking at. That's an advert, though. So whether you want to sell your soul and watch that, I don't oh, know. I don't know. If it's funny. Um, well, I, my... my children like it so if you're an eight or a six-year-old then yeah it's funny but then you know i asked my daughter earlier on what she would my wife doesn't have a middle name and we all do and i said what would mummy's middle name be and she said poo (laughs) (laughs) i'm sat here with a tea cozy on my head (laughs) so you know that's the kind of mentality we're dealing with here yeah nothing wrong with that it's one i can relate to (laughs) So let's talk about something far more highbrow, like the Premier League, shall we? Um, Leicester, without Jamie Vardy, uh, plays Swansea this weekend. Um, Leicester have won eight and uh, drawn two. I don't know why I wrote that. I don't know if that's against Swansea or in their last ten league games. I don't know. Um, And Swansea have got seven points out of their last 12, although they don't do very well at Leicester. They've not won in their last 11 trips there. No, and I don't think they're going to add to that. Now, I can imagine some of those trips are probably like sort of like League One or something. Probably, yeah, yeah. I always worry with statistics like that that might go back like thirty-five years or something. I mean, did football exist before nineteen ninety-two? Are we allowed to talk about that? No, no, okay. Rupert, no. Um, but no, when they say something like West Ham haven't won at Anfield since nineteen sixty or something, you think, well, not you know, some of those players in nineteen sixty might be dead. These are a completely different set of players, as they and, proved this year by also, winning them. You know, it, it, you get teams that that you know X hasn't won at Y since nineteen sixty, and it's because they've only played four times. Yes, yeah, yeah, they're but, not likely to have done. Mm. 
Um, well, I should imagine they'll be playing Leonardo Ajoa up front then, instead of Jamie Vardy. Um, Swansea is safe, Swansea are happy, is Swansea lying on a beach? Um, they lost last week to Newcastle, didn't they? They did, they did. When, I mean, yes, obviously Newcastle have everything to play for, but Swansea do actually have quite a good record against them, so I had sort of fancied Swansea to maybe get a point there. Um, no, I, I, I don't think it matters whether Swansea are lying on a beach or not, because I think Leicester will just be too strong for them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That, that's my take on that one. Good lad. Yeah, um, hashtag analysis. <laughs> hashtag broken Britain. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I do. I do. <laughs> Uh, Spurs versus West Brom. Um, Spurs at White Hart Lane have won 11 out of 18, losing just two of those. Um, and West Brom have only won once on their last five visits there. Yeah, I'm ditto, really. Um, I, I well, don't... You've only won once on your last five <laughs> visits. No, I'm, I'm already on a beach. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I mean, West Brom have not, not looked particularly impressive all season. Um I think it'll be it'll be funny if they if West Brom get a penalty, whether Berahino, who obviously desperately wants to join Spurs and missed two penalties in his last game, will take it. Yes, um, he did, didn't he? That was against um, Gomez. It was yes, the first first player in Premier League history to save two penalties in a game. Mm. Um, so yes, and and if he does, will he? I mean, it would be very pewless actually not to even play Berahino in this game. That would be. You know, sort of yeah. typically bitter. Well, they they lost tonight at Arsenal. Someone tweeted earlier on that they didn't like all the empty seats at the Emirates because it meant they could hear Tony Pulis shouting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I think Spurs will be far it, too strong. I think so as well. Um, well, in the race for the top four, you've got Manchester City playing Stoke, which I think is the Mike Sheeran derby, um, if you remember him. No. No, you wouldn't. You're a youth. I am. Um, sort of. <laughs> well, if you don't remember Mike Sheeran, you're a youth. Okay. Uh, City rejuvenated, aren't they, since Kevin De Bruyne returned. Um, in the seven games he missed, they got seven points, uh, but they're unbeaten in four since he returned. Mm. I, I I, mean, De Bruyne is one of those... Um, I, I, I did an article for UMAX at recently on a sort of alternative PFA player of the year. Um and mostly I, I picked people that had played pretty much all season. But I think I think if De Bruyne had played all season, he would certainly be in for a shout because mm. he has been fantastic since he came back, both in the Premier League and also crucially in Europe. Um, and you kind of look at him and, and to an extent you look at Lukaku as well and, and think, why ever did, did Chelsea get rid of them? Because they're both exceptional players. There must have been. It is very, very odd, isn't it? Why they got rid of them? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's no David Silva. David Silva was a doubt with his ankle. There's no Bakary Sanya or Gail Clichy. Um, Stoke got Zerdan Shakiri missing, as well as Jack Butland, Glenn Johnson, and Eric Peters. Aguero yeah. scored five in five versus Stoke and fourteen in his last thirteen Premier League games. Butland's going to be the big mess in that. Um, because the the guy, I think he's an Austrian guy that they've had come in instead hasn't looked particularly assured. Mm. Um, and Shane so, Gibbon's going to play, I think. Um, oh yeah, because Gibbon played in the last one, didn't he? Yeah. Um, because the Austrian guy was that bad, so yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be difficult for Stoke. Yeah. Um, Sunderland versus Arsenal, the Stefan Schwartz derby. Um, Sunderland's record against Arsenal is pretty appalling. Um, they haven't won any at their last 12 against Arsenal in the Premier League. They've lost eight and drawn four. Arsenal have won their last four visits to Sunderland. Um, Olivier Giroud scored four in his last four matches and Aaron Ramsey has scored three in his last four matches at Sunderland. So I'm going to I'm going to clutch something out the air and say this might be an Arsenal win. This is exactly the sort of game that Sunderland will win. <laughs> really? Oh, you think yeah. you? Well, they've got they've gone back above Manchester City tonight, haven't they? Um, uh, uh, yeah, they have, have. yeah, yeah, by two points. I I just this is just one of those games that on paper is so overtly one-sided mm. that Sunderland like Kone, the Sunderland centre-half, will bundle in something from a free kick in the 85th minute to give them a 1-0 win that lifts them. Above not Would it be out of the relegation? Yeah, it yeah. would be out of the relegation zone. Yeah, because they have a game in hand, don't they? I, I just think it's, I think it's all set up for that sort of absolute shocker yeah. that, will, that will further um, invigorate the Wenger out calls and... <laughs> recast Sam Allardyce as the sort of the hero that Sunderland need even if they don't deserve him yeah um, I think this is their game in hand because Norwich don't play this weekend uh, yeah yeah that's looking at the table that's right yeah uh, Liverpool Newcastle next Rafa comes home yes um, and you know he certainly seems to have got them doing something and he's he's given the captaincy to to Sissoko, um, Jamal Lassels, who was very highly regarded when he moved from Nottingham Forest and, and then sort of didn't really do anything, has come in and, and was very impressive. And he's uh, been very honest as well. Have you seen his post-match interviews? Uh, I've not, no. Um, after the game against Southampton a couple of weeks ago, he came out and said, look, he, he's just, he came out and he said, we're not playing well enough we're, we're, we're good players but we're not playing well enough we need to we as players need to do this and dig in and, and pull ourselves out not anybody else he was he was very honest about that I mean I think that's the thing with Newcastle is that they don't they don't have a bad squad I mean I'd say they have weaknesses at, at centre half um, obviously the injury to Krull um, was unfortunate because he can be a very good goalkeeper um, but they have a lot of quality in that squad. They've got a lot of particularly going forwards. They've got a lot of good players, and they they shouldn't be in this position. Um, and I think the 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 rot set in towards the end of last season when you could see a lot of people that were very disenchanted under John Carver, and they effectively gave up. Um, and it was listless. And and it's I think it's very difficult to recover a team when you've had a period like that. Um, and, and maybe Rafa, with his experience and his undoubted pedigree, has has been able to go into that dressing room and say, you know, fucking sort yourselves out. Mm. Look at who you are. This is, <laughs> you know, you you should be better than this. So, yeah, if you look at the the attackers they've got, um, Perez, Mitrovic, Wijnaldum, you know, they're they're very talented young players. I like Mitrovic. He's he's kind of the right side of bonkers, and he looks a bit like Dave Garn from Depeche Mode as well. Yeah, um, and you know he's he was certainly one of those sort of very highly touted talents um, when he was at Anderlecht, um, mm. and 
people were, I think, expecting big things of, of him and, and Perez and Wijnaldum. And Wijnaldum's delivered to an extent, actually. Um, uh, Sissoko has never been a bad player. He's he's someone who can go absent, certainly, but he's definitely got the ability. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I think I think perhaps having that somebody of... You can say what you like about Benitez, but but he has proved I would only himself. say nice things about Benitez. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there are a lot of people who, who don't, but he's... They're bad people. Pre- <laughs> he's proved himself to be a very, very capable manager. Um, and and he, you know, but maybe, yeah, maybe there's too much ego and there's too much bullshiness in that that dressing room. But someone like him can go into it and say, right, you know, you have fucked yourselves into this position. Now you need to get yourselves out of it. And they would actually kind of go, ah, yeah, you've won the European Cup. Maybe we should listen to you. Yeah. Um, that's not to say, incidentally, that I think there'll be anything other than a Liverpool win in this game. Well, Liverpool have won 17 out of their last 20 games versus Newcastle at um, Anfield. And, and like you said earlier, they're in a purple patch. Yes. So... Yes, very Um, Next up, Bournemouth versus Chelsea. Is this the most middle-class fixture in the Premier League? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It is, isn't it? It really is. Um, Yeah, I I think... I mean, I I think my boys, Southampton, Watford are pretty middle-class as well. Um, Are they? See, Watford just... I've seen Watford to be some kind of London overspill, commuter belt. Exactly. Whereas Bournemouth, I can see lots of... Middle class people. people, yes, yes, lots of middle class retired people, yes, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think potentially again, this this could be one of those games where on paper it looks like a dead cert, but it'll actually be tougher for Chelsea than than you might expect. Well, that Bournemouth won, didn't they, at Stamford Bridge? Uh, indeed, and and Eddie Howe has a a surprisingly good record against the supposed bigger sides. I know Chelsea have sort of let themselves down this season, but um, you know, I, Bournemouth are pretty much safe now. Mm. Um, I think it would it would take something miraculously bad, if that makes any sense for them to get sucked back into it, and they've passed the magic 40-point mark. But how's you know, got, got a point to prove, I suppose. Callum Wilson's come back into the side um after a long, long time out with injury, which is good for them. Mm. Josh King um, scored four in his last six. Yes, and I think Wilson was benched for the last game, which partly, I'm sure, is because they're easing him back in, but also because it's it's difficult to, to drop another striker that's in form, even when your previous top scorer is coming back. Um, and I like this Bournemouth side. I like Eddie Howe. I like what he's doing with them. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against... If I if I were putting money on this, I'd go for a double chance on Bournemouth or draw. Well, Chelsea haven't lost twice in the Premier League to a promoted side since two thousand two thousand and one. Do you know who that might have been? Uh, ooh, I don't know. Stress balls, tennis balls. Mm, no, Chopin. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. Yeah, um, and they've lost their last two, haven't they, to Manchester City and Swansea? They're kind of on the beach, aren't they? Well, yeah, um, and and I, I I kind of feel I don't I don't 
feel sorry for a team in this position, but is maybe the wrong way of putting it. It must be very difficult when you know that there's going to be a change of who's in charge and that the person coming in isn't necessarily going to want you. And and do you react to that by by striving even harder to show that you're that you're valued and you want to stay there or, or is it maybe a natural hiatus and you think mm, I've been here a while and it might be time to move on and this might be a good opportunity so I think it's very difficult for players to maintain their focus when all of that's going on in the background yeah. um, and I, I always think it's weird when clubs announce either that they're having an interim manager or that you know somebody's coming in when there's still plenty of games left in the season to go um because it just seems to have such a, a a negative effect on on how teams are doing. Although you say that, then City have done well in Europe, despite knowing what's going to happen there. So Bayern um, won the treble, didn't they, when they announced that um, Guardiola was coming in? Uh, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe I'm just talking shit. I don't. Yeah, know. Oh no, never, never. Well, well no, I, I mean, I, I think it's it can go either way, can't it? Whether you talk shit or not. <laughs> that's definitely true <laughs> well we're just making this shit up <laughs> Wait, we've, we've done it for the last four years right um well this okay last then this is your chaps aston villa versus southampton this is the mark draper derby indeed remember him you see there's one i do remember do you well, oh good well no of yeah. yeah um ronald Koeman still thinks there will this will be a tough game um i think he was being nice though to be fair Ronald Koeman can't help but be nice. Well, he can. He pulled he pull David Platt down. I think there's a difference between being sensible on a football pitch, which may involve a little bit of fouling. Mm. And, I mean, he just... Yeah, he's, he never seems to... I, th- I think he can... I think he can criticise people. And he's come out in press conferences occasionally and been critical of our players and the way we're doing stuff. But in a way that seems sort of like a supportive chiding parent rather than look at these idiots that I have to deal with. Um, <laughs> we I mean, felt like that. Villa, yeah, Villa have... Villa have got nothing to play for, obviously. Julian Lescott thinks they do. <laughs> well, Julian Lescott's relieved. <laughs> I mean, foot in mouth or what? Oh, it was, but I could kind of understand I, a little what? bit of what I he's, he's on. I understand what he's saying. Yeah, I, I I know what he what he means is this has been the worst period of my professional career, and at least we know what the end point is now. Yeah, seeing it written down on Twitter is terrible. Actually, watching him say those words was a little bit different. Yeah, and I think the thing as well is that that you know he it it's probably incumbent on him at that point to say something, but. I always feel sorry for for players that are pounced on in the immediate aftermath of a game. It's not the most stupid thing he's done this season. uh, (laughs) It's it's really not, no. (laughs) no. Um, I I mean, yeah, I don't. God knows how you send a message from your pocket. I (laughs) (laughs) I think the only thing you could conceivably do by accident in that way is, is either take a photo of the inside of your trousers a pocket or dial somebody yes but for fuck's sake um it's like he thinks no one else has a smartphone <laughs> um but yeah i think um 
I think the thing for Villa is that that they their players are you know most of their players are going to be looking for a way out mm. and but also because of the way that that these things seem to work is they won't find it difficult to get picked up because there will be teams at the beginning of next season who will be expecting to be in that sort of position again and as ever they will pick up the detritus that got relegated last time round because that's what always seems to happen um, there are a couple of good players in that squad. I think Adressa Gay has been really, really good this season. Jordan Ayew, um, but Jordan Ayew, um, I think Jordan Amavi would have been very good if he hadn't got injured. Um, I think Jordan Veratu is a good player who's who's suffered from being in a crap team. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think there are going to be too many of them who are that worried because they won't find it difficult to get rehoused in another Premier League team, most of them, mm. um, I would suspect. Because also, Villa will be quite keen to get rid of them. I think they'll be very low asking prices for some of those players because they'll be so keen to to shift the wages off the books. So, uh, you know, they, they don't have anything to show or that they need to show in this game. I think it'll be a walkover for Southampton. Fingers very crossed. For me, anyway, yeah. Yes. Um, okay, well, that brings us to the end of our Premier League roundup and also the end of our podcast. Anything else you want to mention? Um, no, I don't think so. Just, just it's been a pleasure as always. Oh, good, it's been very pleasurable here too. Um, issue twelve with the Football Pink is out on Monday. Uh, you can get in touch with them um, at the Football Pink or footballpink.net to order your copy now. Um, Ross and the guys will be back on Sunday to review what we just previewed. If you like what you listened to, you can leave a review on iTunes. Um, the higher the review, or the better the review, the higher the chance we get pushed as well. So uh, any positive feedback, stick on there. Anything negative, send to us and we'll try and do something about it. Um, you can download us from Acast as well as subscribing to iTunes. At Man of the Post is the Twitter handle and manofthepost.com is the website. Alex, if they want to follow you. Uh, it's at AFH Stewart with an EW. And you're in the blizzard? I am in the blizzard. Uh, I did an interview with Patrick Marber, um, who won an Oscar for a screenplay but wrote a brilliant football play called The Red Lion, which was on at the National in, I think it was July and August of last year. Uh, and he very kindly agreed to be interviewed by me. Um and I wrote this, yeah, long piece on on the play itself because it's about football, but also his opinions on what's happening with football, how he tried to express those in the play. He was a director at Lewis FC um, mm-hmm. when they were bought out by fans. And he's a very, very strong advocate of fan ownership um, and uh, and how that can can change a club's fortunes round so it's uh it was yeah it was a, an interesting piece to write i hope people find it interesting to read as well okay uh excellent so they can download that for the blizzard so thank you ever so much for coming on no thank you for having me excellent uh and the, all that remains to be said is always remember to keep your man on the post